Attention, this is a matter of national security. After a meteorite crashed into the New Jersey Turnpike, the following digital audio transmission from the You Watch I Listen podcast was intercepted by NASA scientists in the year 2019. The You Watch I Listen podcast is about to start. Sit down, listen close, and try not to die. The You Watch I Listen podcast starts now. evacuated for a bomb threat. Oh, fuck you. A couple other really funny news stories. Kenny G. Who the fuck is Kenny G? The fucking clarinet player. What did he do wrong? He's being Charles Manson all weird. In the middle of it, he cuts her off and goes, Oh, fuck yeah. Take it out, take it out. Now I see why people followed Charles Manson. He was very straightforward. He had the right idea. It's time for the You Watch I Listen podcast, and always remember, don't sniff it, just do it. Hey guys. Hello, Daniel. Hey, hey, hey. this is um, a very uh, special uh, first edition part of uh, You Watch I Listen, and uh, at least for now while we're quarantined, uh, this is part of the You Watch I Listen interview series. Taylor? Yeah, man, this is uh, this is something we've been th- talking about doing for a while. And what better way to do it now that we're, uh, you know, that we're quarantined. And, you know, we, we got a really special guest on the horn. Um, his name is Alan Paul. He is a New York Times bestseller. So I can't wait to finally get him on the line and start talking to him. Yeah, but- and he's had he's had uh, a pretty interesting career as well. So I'm really excited to talk about that. Yeah, it'll be cool. Now, on top of that pretty sweet announcement, I have another announcement. Um, We have a new sponsor, boys and girls. We have a brand new sponsor, and they are Primal Urge. Now, guys, you know, you're stuck. You're stuck at home. You're quarantined. You're tired of this shit, and you need to get to... You need, to, you need some help to get through. Let me tell you what's beginning me to this COVID nonsense. It's, it's my primal urge. Ooh, ooh, I, I have a primal urge, Taylor. You know what my primal urge is? What's that, Dan? <laughs> to murder you. Of course it is. And the, But no, you big dumb idiot. Like, this, this is primal urge beef sticks. Oh. Beef sticks, dude. Okay. Yeah, dude. So Primal Urge, so this is pretty cool, actually. So they uh, they sent me uh, a free monthly subscription um, for the next few months uh, because they're you know they're pretty big fans of the show and they've been eating Primal Urge and I've I've been eating them, taking them to work with me. And, you know, I, I I've loved it. The guys who I work with have really loved it. It's they really are some of the best stuff out there. So. So you're telling me you've been doing this for a bit. Um, I just jumped on the show. Now, if I wanted to get Primal Urge, why haven't you shared it with me? Because it's mine and it's not yours. 
And, I, and I'm not very good at sharing, to be honest with you. Well, can, can I have one of your meat sticks? Well, I don't know, stupid. Can you go to www.primalurge.com and use promo code YWIL for 20% off your subscription? I can do that, but please don't call me stupid. I'm a very special person and a special part of this show. Listen, man, special being the key word. Uh, you know, and just, just have a meat stick and shut the fuck up, stupid. All right, so you're telling me... Everyone should go to www.primalurge.com and enter promo code YWIL. Correct. You go to www.primalurge.com, enter promo code YWIL for 20% off your first subscription. Remember, meat sticks. <laughs> Taylor, you know what I want to show you? What? My meat stick. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Well, but, see, the- uh, On top of Dan threatening to show me his meat stick, I am very excited that I'm not for him to show me his meat stick, but to have these guys be a sponsor of the show. Yeah, and I'm really excited. I want to thank Primal Urge for jumping on with the show. Um, We're going to be doing some giveaways in the near future, uh, sending you guys some of these. Um, But until that point, until that time comes, make sure you go to primalurge.com and use promo code YWIL to get 20% off your meat stick subscription. Um, We'll probably be doing those giveaways on Facebook. Facebook and Twitter. Um, probably going to be like some type of trivia from the interview with our guest. Uh, whoever answers it will get that um, that package of meat. Um, there's some really cool stuff in it. I took a look. Um, the venison beef jerky is probably my favorite. I mean, you, you really can't go wrong with venison. I mean, they do no. buffalo, they do alligator. You know, oh, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's uh, the uh, the selection is is uh, is a wide variety, which is nice. And you know, a lot of people are like, "Well, it's not beef or pork." Well, listen, get out of that, get out of that square that you live in, and live a little live a little bit on the edge, would you? But this really, it's high quality stuff, vacuum sealed. It's um, it's very high quality stuff. Yeah. So, um, in just a few minutes, we have an Alan Paul join us. Um, now, you know, I wasn't particularly familiar with Alan Paul until I read up on him a little bit and I said oh I've known this guy most of my life but I didn't really know who he was um, you know he's a journalist an author a musician and a blogger um, he's the managing editor of uh, Guitar World which I was a regular subscriber to for years and years as was my father um, he's been with them since ni- he was with them for, from 1991 to 1996 um, and that's probably the prime of when I started reading Guitar World yeah, I, I was a little too young around that time. Um, I really wasn't. I had Guitar World subscriptions after the fact, but that was a very pivotal, pivotal, pivotal magazine. I can't talk today. Normally, um, pivotal magazine when it came to like shaping my like, like what I like the music and stuff like that. But you know, it, it's he's. He's a very eccentric person. I just from you know reading and doing some research on this guy, so uh, you know he had he has quite the story, and I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, you know from the stuff he's done, he covered the at uh, the Olympics in Beijing. Um, you know, I believe his wife is one of the managing editors at New York Times as well. Um, it's it's a pretty amazing career. I mean, he was uh, he wrote biographies on both the Allman Brothers and my favorite guitarist of all time, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, which is really saying something. Uh, that guy, you know, to me is the greatest guitarist of all time. Obviously, subjective, but if you can write such insightful things about Stevie Ray Vaughan, you probably know your shit. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I. I'm more of the belief that Stevie Ray Vaughan is 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 incredibly underrated. Not, not enough people give him his just desserts. I agree with that. He he doesn't get mentioned with the Claptons and the Hendrix of the world, and and he's every bit as good as them, if not better. And that's I, not I, enough. I don't disagree. 
So this will be a lot of fun to do. Um, and we're excited to have more interviews going forward. Um, this is just the first first episode of the You Watch, I Listen interview series. Um, and we'll probably keep it going at whenever quarantine ends, whenever the hell that is. Um, it, it's, it gives us something else to do. It gives us something else for our listeners as well, which is really cool. If anyone has suggestions about people you might want us to interview, uh, shoot us a tweet. Go to youwatchilisten.com. You can send us an email right from there. Send us a Facebook message. Um, you could harass Taylor as well. I'm always in favor of people harassing Taylor. It's it's not the worst thing in the world. If some if it's someone that's not damn harassing me, I like you know variety is the spice of life. Yeah, and uh, tomorrow, very excited. It'll be the you watch I listen twenty. 20- 2020 NFL draft special. Uh, we'll be uh, doing our episode while watching the draft. So you get live breakdown and reaction from us. We'll have uh, Grow How call in. We'll have Bob call in, or we'll call them. Um, and Josh is going to have more uh, dedicated time toward the show in the future, which I'm sure we'll talk about tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, 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 we'll talk about that tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. definitely tomorrow. <laughs> It'll always be, how was your week, Josh? <laughs> yeah, that'll be that'll be a little bit of a, an explanation right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, do we, we want to try giving Alan a call a couple minutes early and see if we can get this going? Yeah, yeah, let's let's do that. All but, right. All right J- Josh, you, you get him on the horn. You can hear me okay if this sound is good enough. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can hear you, Josh. You can hear him, no problem? Yep, just fine. Beautiful. Okay, hey guys, I'm good to go. Good, cool. Uh, all right, so Alan, um, I just want to take this opportunity before we dive right in, um, you know, just to say thanks for giving us your time. You know, with this the craziness that's happening in the world today, you know, that you give us about you know, give us some time out of your day. Um, and I well, we obviously we here at the show hope you're staying safe and practicing social distancing and the the, the PPE and stuff like that. But uh, I just want to ask, you know, with all this with all this crazy stuff that's going on in the world right now how, how are you holding up thank you thanks for asking i guess you, you have to start every conversation with with that these days um yeah i'm doing fine thank you i'm, I'm in maplewood new jersey which is uh you know outside of new york and sort of in the in in the hot zone and you know far more people than i would uh care have been affected by this with uh you know have gotten sick or family members and several people's parents have passed away and you know it's it's, it's sad and it's difficult to to deal with but uh, me and my family are are all doing just fine thank you and trying to take advantage of the lockdown <laughs> as much as i can to spend some good quality family time and you know get creative and get some good work done that's that that's that's absolutely the the right way to go so i'm definitely glad to hear that you're doing very well and that your family is safe it's funny that you say you're in maplewood because we're actually in new jersey ourselves um and uh, I, I i work in clifton um and i live in little falls and you know josh lives in vernon and dan lives in west milford so we're all north jerseyans here it sounds like which is pretty cool it is cool yeah and, and it's you know it's good no, because I, I do feel that right now we're in a, a situation where um, people who are not in our part of the world um, don't necessarily quite get it what's going on in the same way we do because it's just um, it's it's just in our face and we you know yeah you know it's it. the craziness that you see you know uh, Taylor and I uh, both were deemed essential workers uh, so you know we've been out there we've been on the roads and uh, the difference that you see compared to n- no more than four weeks ago is astounding you know there's nobody out on the road right. there's nobody walking around on the sidewalks um you know it's just a level of uh, craziness you know being in the metropolitan
metropolitan area that other people, you know, don't get to see in their daily lives on a regular basis, you know, and now we're seeing all this. It's like bizarro world. Right. Absolutely true. And of course, you know, it's deeply impacted my, my world, uh, you know, both as a musician and, and as a writer, um, you know, as it's just all the stuff that I am used to doing is not happening. <laughs> Can't do it now. So. Right. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's definitely rough too, because I mean, I, I, I'm very, I'm very big when it comes to music and live music and shows and stuff like that. That's like my favorite thing in the world outside. I, I, I can't really play all that well, but like going to a live show or just trying to be creative and, you know, it, within within these four walls that we got is I, I see it as like a blessing and a curse because some points you got to just sit down and just write stuff out. But then like, you know, to be creative, sometimes the spark just hits you. There's nothing else you can really do about it. But um, right. So, so let, let's. I, I just want to start at the beginning, really, with you, Alan. Um, sure. You know, so you were born in Anchorage. You were born in Alaska, <laughs> and then I was uh, born in Anchorage. That's a funny, a funny fact because I guess that's in my Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> but but I was I was born there. My dad was in the service. Uh, my dad's a physician. He was in the Indian Health Service, now called the Native American Health Service. Um, and he was the only pediatrician for all of southeastern Alaska's native population <laughs> and oh, wow. uh, would get on little little planes and fly up into uh, crazy reservations and stuff to take care of new babies. So, um, you know, my, that's how I was born. And then they moved to Anchorage for a couple of years. Um, I was born there. Um, but my family moved when I was pretty young, uh, a baby, really, like, well, one years old to uh, Pittsburgh, which is where I grew up. But I think I did have that sort of sense of... <laughs> adventure and anything can happen um, mm. built into me from from the way I was born and my parents' attitude towards life at that time. That's that's actually that's really really cool actually, and that that is a super fun fact. I do I I dig that a lot. Um, what what branch of the service was your father in? Well, he was in the Indian House. The Navy, so he was, he's considered a veteran of the Navy, but he really wasn't in the Navy per se. And I'm sure that most actual Navy veterans would not consider people from the Indian Health Service Navy veterans. But uh, right. you know, he had a uniform, and, and and that's what he did. Right. Okay. Well, listen, that that that's awesome, and you know, uh, thank your father for his service. Even though some people would say it's not, it doesn't matter. It still is. So that's awesome. Um, and I also see that you, um, you know, you grew up in Pennsylvania. And I, when I was doing some research on you, some digging on you, I see that you graduated from actually a famous high school, Taylor Allerdice, uh, well, Allerdice famous, High School. No. Yeah, that's right. Well, when I was graduated, I wouldn't say it was particularly famous, although it's a school that's been on my father also graduated from there. My mother is from here, from New Jersey, actually. So I have, I, I came here all my life. So I always had roots here to some extent. But um, yeah, Allerdice became famous because uh, Mac. And they both rapped about it, Mac Miller especially. So uh, yeah. Mac Miller in a lot of ways feels like like a little brother to me. And, you know, I was really, really impacted by his death. Um, you know, I'm Jewish. He went to the same synagogue as me. We were bar mitzvah at the same place. He went to the same Jewish summer camp I went to. He went to Alderdice. Um, his mother is like probably 10 or 15 years older than me. Um, I, I didn't know her. You know, I'm sort of in between him and his mother. But... Um, 
were good friends with his mother. So, you know, I was I was aware of Matt from the very beginning before he, you know, him and my kids are into him. So his death really, really hit me hard, even though it's not, you know, people are surprised if they don't know about the Pittsburgh Alderdice. Um, yeah. Well, the, that I well, connected to. To him, but yeah, well, so so that that's you actually beat me to the you actually beat me to the question, but yeah, because um, I I when I first got into hip hop, um, before I figured out like the Biggies, the Tupacs, and the, you know the Molly Malls of the world, um, I was introduced to Wiz Khalifa and Mac Miller, and both of them like you said consistently referenced Taylor Alderdice or Taylor Gang or Die, yeah. like they always said. Um, that's so that's right. actually that's really cool, and uh, I also see that Curtis Martin went to. Like right. Curtis Martin for the Jets went to Taylor Alderdice too. <laughs> yeah, amazing because we were so not a football powerhouse. And when I, when I when Curtis is me, but not by much. I mean, we we were there. You know, he was there right after this. We were in the same era, more or less. Um, you know, the the football. The field when I was there was like a packed dirt. It was like oiled down dirt. It was like cement. <laughs> you know, we, we, and it was an inner city school and we had some skill, you know, there'd be a couple kids a year who got a Division One scholarship. But they, they were like, you know, it was, it was not a football powerhouse. Um, and so when Curtis came through a few years later, it was, it was quite amazing. Um, and then they had fixed up the field a little bit, like it had grass on it um, just shortly after I graduated. But it still was, you know, I, you know, Pittsburgh, of course, is a you know tremendous football city. But um, the, the great high school football stuff is mostly in the suburbs and places that have money, and they they have like sort of what you think of as as being um, like in Texas or something. You know, they have like these awesome stadiums and, and stuff that exists in the Pittsburgh area, but not in the city school. Yeah, and not at all. Right. So yeah, so Curtis Martin, obviously, I'm not a Jets fan, I'm a Steelers fan, but. <laughs> had a tremendous um, empathy for Curtis the whole time. That I was really famous for most of my high school. That's really, really cool. And it, extra cool for him to come out from a place that really, really did have such backwards ass. <laughs> uh, right. You know, the facilities for him to do what he did was really super cool. That That, that is really cool, you know, to have a, an NFL Hall of Famer, you know, from your high school. That That is that is pretty sick. You know, I'm from Little Pompton Lakes High School where not much happens in no in the middle of nowhere. So that's, that's right. something. I, I would hang my hat on that, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Listen, the guys, the guys who came out of my high school, like Evan Wolfson, is like the lawyer who who basically made uh, same-sex marriage a national thing. You know, he came from my high school uh, about ten years ahead of me, and and like that was cool. That that was more like the, what you expected to be like the stars from my high school because it was sort of a a big school, but that like the elite people were pretty intellectual, and there was a lot of really smart people there. So like rap stars and football stars coming out of there was would have been beyond my imagination. So it's, it's really cool, but that that is that is really cool. And to be honest with you, uh, like you're like the way you talked about Mac, just it really warmed my heart a little bit because uh, I I absolutely yeah. love Mac Miller. Um, so he's, he's amazing, and it's one of the guys that that me that you know. There's certain people, there's certain musical acts that my whole family listens to and enjoys, you know. And, and Mac was one of them, um, so sort of had that extra special connection to me for me as well. That 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 is that is really cool. I, I really dig that. So. Um, I wanted to ask, so, you know, you're, you, you go to Taylor Alderdice High School and then, you know, you go from there, you go to the University of Michigan. 
in in this right. time, like as you're like on your way to college, or you know, anytime in between that, like like when did the like when did the spark hit you for like writing and like writing music or writing you know editorial pieces? Like like what was right. the first spark you could think of? You know, um, so one of the great things about Alderdice is that, like I said, it was a pretty intellectual place. We had a great um, journalism program at English department, and I was pretty into that from like ninth grade. You know, my brothers. He was older than me. He had been the sports editor of the Alderdice Forward, just a newspaper. So I just was in, I knew about it from, you know, time I was in middle school. And that was my goal. So I became the editor of my high school paper. Um, I won a national writing award my junior year um, for a story that got me in a little bit of trouble because I, I profiled cocaine dealers in school. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had editorial independence, but that story kicked up enough dust. I said the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette wrote about it, and so the, the, the um, Pittsburgh Board of Education became on me, and they tried to get me to say who it was, and all kinds of crazy stuff. So when I went to Michigan, uh, I was already on like a writer track, and I did not go work at the paper right away because um, I was actually aware, like if I do this, it's just something I thought of when I was 14, maybe... I should make sure I really want to do it. I stay away from it and see if I go come back. So I did that, but it's not like, so what I did my first year was I stumbled into a job um, as at first a bus boy and then eventually a waiter and a doorman at, at a bar called Rick's American Cafe. And they had music four or five nights a week. And um, most weekends it was Chicago blues guys like Buddy Guy, Albert Collins, Coco Taylor, uh, okay. Ron Brooks, Sun Seals. <laughs> and so I started working there and I spent an inordinate amount of time in this bar, <laughs> you know, both because for the obvious reasons I was underage and I was getting able to drink um, for free. And then you're watching someone and, like Buddy yeah. Guy play live music while you drink. Yeah, like, it was that's incredible. Amazing. changed my life. Uh, Buddy Guy was actually like a little later because he was the first music. I, so when I first started, so, so, so wait, let me let me just stop. So I did that for a year. My my parents were going nuts. My dad kept saying to me like, why are you, you know, spending too much time at a bar? Which, believe me, he didn't know like <laughs> at all how much time I was actually spending at the bar. Right. He was saying to me like, if you've got time, you should be, you know, working at the at the newspaper and blah blah blah. And I was like, you know, well, I put them off. But um, it turned out that my time in that bar was like, <laughs> looking back at it, was like a huge thing in my career because that's when I really started getting into live music and really started. Um, just appreciating it, hanging out with musicians. Um, so before I was actually interviewing the musicians, I was hanging out with them, and I liked them so much that they recognized that at at the club and just sort of made me the waiter in charge of the band. So I'd go down and bring Coco Taylor nachos, you <laughs> bring the beer and bottles of whiskey and stuff, and hang out with them. So Buddy was actually the next year. By then, I had started working at the newspaper, and I was um, doing you know, various things like news reporting and I was covering literature. Like I interviewed Tom Wolf when he came to campus and uh, Joseph Heller who wrote Catch-22. And Buddy Guy was coming and I was like, uh, I went to the music editor and I was like, hey, Buddy Guy's incredible. You got to do a story on him. He's a legend, blah, blah, blah. Um, he was pretty,
pretty obscure then, you know, outside of the blues world. But, you know, guys like Eric Clapton and Stevie Ray Vaughan were talking about him all the time. So people who were into it, you know, had an awareness, but the general public didn't at all. Right. Who writes about music for us knows anything about him, so why don't you do it? So I was like, okay. And then so I interviewed my guy. <laughs> and that was the first the music I interviewed. And basically, I was hooked. It was just so much fun. Um, you know, then I went to the show, and it was incredible. But by then, I was used to, like, how great these guys were. And Buddy was still, like, next level, you know, even on all the other guys. Right. Um, so it's pretty cool. And, and I just recently found rolled up in a poster tube um, with some other stuff. Uh, a poster, like a flyer from that show. I'm looking at it right now. I <laughs> took it out and, and I framed. Uh, and I had him sign it, which I forgot. So, to Alan Buddy Guy. That was in 1985, I think. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, that was it. I was just kind of hooked. I, I've done a lot of other writing as well, but I just find myself um, you know, back to the music stuff and um, you know, I was into this music that wasn't that commercial, so there were, weren't that many people trying to write about it. Yeah, I th- that's that's something that that I always really that that, that I always like and I always admire about people that cover music that isn't necessarily like I, I like what I like what I refer to as like top forty music. You know, obviously, um, at least my opinion on, on like today's like mainstream pop and hip hop. I, I think it's absolute. My pardon my French. I think it's trash, but uh, I, I I appreciate the underground scene because I think that's where you find real artists, like real like not starving artists, but where you find like real really talented individuals. And it's just it's just cool to hear that Buddy Guy was one of those guys back you know in, in the mid eighties. Um, but right. you know you know obviously you said you started with Buddy Guy, but you know I'm seeing I'm seeing that uh you know you you've interviewed a plethora of music icons and most notably i actually ordered your book but amazon you know of, of course with you know with the with the pandemic isn't exactly honoring most prime memberships right now um but you did you wrote a book called one way out about the allman brothers band and right. my thing and i've said this at nauseam sometimes the allman brothers to me is one of the most underrated bands you could really like you could really think of as far as when it comes to classic rock because most people will think classic rock obviously you go acdc zeppelin you know pink floyd stuff like that the allman brothers aren't really mentioned and i'm i'm also of the belief that greg allman is one of the greatest soul voices of all time and no one really gives him that just desserts and his brother Dwayne is one of the best guitar players that no one really ever talks about so uh, when you wrote this book, One Way Out, um, what was the motivation behind the Allman Brothers specifically, and what was the writing process? Because I know, you know, this book was a cul- was a culmination of years and years of research and right. uh, interviews. That's so, right. like, like well, what was like what was the initial yeah, so- spark? Well, so so the initial spark was that I was an idiot because it took me so long to realize that I could do it. But it paid off in a weird way because by the time I got it done and then we rushed to get it out in time for in uh, February 2014, just before they were going to start their 45th anniversary tour. And right before it came out, they sort of announced that Derek Trucks and Warren Haynes were going to tour at them anymore. So the news developed, it became their, their final year. So by me being so slow to do what I should have done, I, I, I hit the jackpot in, in the sense that 
Um, I was able to cry over it last year, and I was able to have the book come out, um, you know, when they were newsworthy. So, you know, I love the Allman Brothers. They were the band that, to me, crossed over between that classic rock and, and, and world and the blues guys. You know, like like any of those guys could get up and play with Buddy Guy or, or Albert King or B.B. King or any of the people we're talking about, which was the music I, re- I really loved. Um, they were the, the rock band that just, to me, covered all the bases. You know, they were like, could hit as hard as anyone with like whipping pose. But then, you know, like you said, Greg was one of the great soul voices. Totally uh, agree. And, and Greg, you know, wrote songs like Midnight Rider. And um, it's one of the best songs like, ever written, man. It's one of the best yeah, songs ever written. Write the songs that were like had the folky depth of Jackson Brown and then sing it like, you know, Bobby Bland or B.B. King, like the greatest or Ray Charles. And then have this incredible band. Of like these killer guitarists, Dickie Betts and and Dwayne, and then later, um, you know, Warren Haynes and Derek Trucks, and so to me, they were just completely unique. So um, they reunited and um, after having been broken up, and put out a new album. I was just starting my career and I like begged magazines to let me write about them. So I, I got a gig for Tower Pulse, which used to be a free magazine that came out in Tower Records. And actually it was a pretty good magazine. That was one of the years when Tower was like just huge and had money and do cool stuff. So um wrote about him. I, I met Greg, I interviewed him and Dickie Betts and Warren Hands and Alan Woody. And then that article was so good because I, I put myself into it so much. I cared about it so much that it, it led to me getting hired at Guitar World as a managing editor. So I started there in 1991. All my brothers are just like starting to really crank up this next stage of their career. Yeah. And I and I wrote about them all the time. And uh, through that, became friends with this guy, Kirk West, who was their road manager and sort of the archivist, historian. We became buddies. So he started having me write um, liner notes and stuff. So I wrote a bunch of stuff sort of officially for them and I'd go to shows and I met the crew and you know so I, I just became like very very inside by like the mid 90s um do Greg backstage, um, you know, sit there while Greg smoked a joint post-show. That's awesome. <laughs> Had these incredible experiences. And uh, it took me a long time to realize, oh, I should put all this together into a book. And, uh, you know, like I said, it, it, took, it was 25 years of work, but it's not like I was working on the book for 25 years. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, I hear so, so I was thinking, but, just, hearing, but, just hearing that story, have you ever watched the movie Almost Famous? Yes. Yeah. Of course. It it almost like it, it almost sounds very identical to when that uh, I forget the yeah. name, but when he well, goes on a tour with Stillwater. I was young, but I wasn't sixteen. Like no, you weren't a kid. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but I was young. I mean, like when I started doing that stuff, I was like twenty-two. Um, you know, but I had gone through college. It's really true. I, of course, I related to that movie, and I loved it. And it is based on the Allman Brothers. Uh, and just a few years ago, if I got to meet Cameron, I knew he had read my book, and I, I had some um, email exchanges with him, which was really nice. And he's a great writer, great filmmaker, um, did Almost Famous, Jerry Maguire. Um, what else? You know, uh, Fast Times are Rich but High. There's a lot you're naming um, all my so, favorite movies right now, dude. That's what you're doing. Yeah, it's great stuff. I know. So um, it was really cool to meet him. And, and you know to know that he he was like the book um 
it was, it was, you know, I was very flattered, and uh, and it's a great story. And, and almost name is based on the Almond Brothers, so <laughs> he, he and the whole thing with it, you know, if you remember, there's a plot thing there where they take away his tapes and stuff. That really yeah. happened with the Almond Brothers. It was Greg Almond. So, oh, really? So um, Greg Almond took all the tapes just to make sure that you weren't like someone was bullshitting. Well, right? so what happened was Greg, you know. Greg, I, I interviewed Greg many, many, many times, both in person and on the phone. And spent a lot of time around him. He could be the greatest guy. He could be really. He could have. I could have. I could stay up with him. This, this is that thing that actually happened. Well, I met him in a hotel room, you know, until two or three in the morning. And this is when he was sober, uh, more or less. I mean, right. you know, and he wasn't. He wasn't all messed up. Like he was. In, with Cameron, he was a total, you know, mess. But but I had things where I stay up all night with Greg, and these incredible interviews. Not all night, but maybe I stay up till three in the morning with Greg, talking to him. Incredible interview. Yeah. See him a day and a half later, and go up and say a big hi. And he looks at me like he only vaguely knows who I am. <laughs> I mean, he could be real. When he was in the moment, he was incredible. So with Cameron, what had happened was that was um. I forget exactly what year it was. I'd have to look it up. I think it was only three years after Dwayne died. And Greg had never really spoken about it. Dwayne was, you know, Greg's alpha figure. He was like his father. He was his, you know, their father died, was murdered when they were babies. Yeah. And, and Dwayne was everything to Greg. And so his death was everything. He had never talked about it. So he stays up all night with Cameron, opening his heart, being really honest and forthcoming. And the next day, he realizes it's like, I don't want all that shit in print and Rolling Stone. Yeah, <laughs> so right. he sends uh, Red Dog, famous Rudy, <laughs> down to Cameron's room. And remember, Cameron is 16 or 17 at that point. Yeah. And says, give me your tapes. And oh, what's he going to do? So he gave him all the tapes. There's a whole story that, that I know Cameron's going to write about in his own book at some point. But... Um, then they call it Neil Preston, who was a photographer who did all the stuff with Cameron, who was also young, but a little older, like maybe he was 20, you know, and, and they, they worked out a thing and Cameron, I mean, uh, Neil had to fly to Hawaii uh, and pick up the tapes in person and he brought it back. So Greg, Greg relented. If you remember it almost famous, they show up in his bedroom and give him the tapes back. Yeah, uh, that was, but, that was yeah. at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I, I need to rewatch it again too. It's a good one to watch with my kids now in quarantine. They're, they're old enough; they can they can see it. So, so they, they can um, handle it. If the only thing is, if they go out, if, if they go outside and they start screaming, "I am a golden god from the rooftop," I think yeah. you got a problem there, pal. Yes, you're right. <laughs> Overall, I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye on them. But uh, no, it's a great movie, and I and I definitely did relate to it. Um, and, and I feel fortunate to have had the experiences I've had. But I think Cameron had even crazier ones. I know Canadian. Was at a much younger age. I don't know if I could have handled that stuff when I was sixteen. Yeah, that uh, that, that that's definitely a lot, especially being around the icons like you know someone like a Greg Allman, a Dickie Betts. Definitely, like that's it, it. It's a bit overwhelming, especially for a kid. You know what I mean? I can only. I mean, even I like. I, if I put myself in that situation, and let's say I, I'm 28 right now, if I'm 20, obviously I'm I'm a little more withdrawn. I'm not as crazy starstruck as I'd be when I was 16. But the magnitude of what I'm doing, you know what I mean? Like I'm writing, and I'm basically I'm writing a, a running history of the Almond Brothers, and I'm getting it from the horse's mouth itself. So you know the magnitude of what I've been doing would not be lost on me. But that is. 
uh, that's, it seems like a monumental task, but it seems like not only did you enjoy the experience, you got to have these incredible life experiences with these rock icons and write what I, what I, uh, you know, what I'm reading in reviews anyway, to be the best running history of the Allman Brothers band yeah. and, uh, yeah. something, yeah, something well, that, I, oh, sorry. And, and the advantage, you know, I think you'd have to be crazy in my mind to say like, I'm going to spend 20 Five years writing a book, um, that's that's just too much. But but on the other hand, um, without all that time put in, you can't really get to the heart of the issue. So by the time right. I was writing it, you know, I had had these experiences, I had processed them, I had a, a pretty good understanding of what was real, what was being um, said to me, but which in the moment I, I wouldn't. Know, necessarily realize um, because that's a tricky thing to to, to figure out. Um, but but you know, I had all that time to process it uh, and understand the, the big picture and, and what was what. So um, I think in the end it, it, it worked out, and I had a really good understanding because one of the things you have to do with a story that big is take in all the information you can. Uh, and then decide what really happened <laughs> to the best you can. Right. And, and at least try to tell the emotional truth of every moment. That, that's what I really tried to do. I mean, there's various things where some of the details, people tell you different things. You can eliminate some things that being true through research and through various things. But what it gets down to, a lot of it is, um, you know, the really just decide what you believe and the more you know the better you can do that more effectively yeah I mean I, I think you really just hit the nail on the head with that one there I mean it's just you know just put the time in you know just and also believe in what you're doing I think that's a very big thing um I really can't wait to get my hands on this book, really. Like I said, Amazon Prime isn't exactly honoring two-day shipping at the moment for a paperback. Um, but that is it is on the way. Um, so I can't wait. And my father, my father's going to be a big kick out of that, too. Um, well, he, you know, my, my most recent one after that is, is Texas Fly, which is a similar deep dive into Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah, um, again, again so. you, beat, uh, you definitely beat me, too. And I was just about to ask you about <laughs> that. Um, because, again, and, that's, and this is also a testament a sentiment that uh, Dan, who's my who's our, who's my co-host, who uh, of course couldn't be on the call tonight, but um, we share the same sentiment that Stevie Ray Vaughan is easily one of the best guitar players to ever walk the earth, and he might, in our opinion, it doesn't he doesn't get talked talked about enough because his career was you know short lived because he tragically died, and uh, but he's not mentioned in the world of like the Eric Clapton's, you know, the Richie Blackmores or the Eddie Van Halens and stuff like that, but. Uh, Again, so with the with the Stevie Ray Vaughan stuff, was there was it like a similar thought process as opposed to that Almond Brothers stuff, or was it just like well, was it a completely different of, process? I didn't, I didn't have the same personal connection in the sense that I, I never met Stevie, I never interviewed him, um, but he was an artist I, I really loved and respect. Um, you know, if he had lived longer, I'm sure I would have met him because he, you know, he started at Guitar World like six months after he died. Um, and so after the success of One Way Out, my publisher was sort of bugging me, like, do another book like that. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not going to just do a book like that. It has to be something an artist, I think, is worthy of it. And 
um, that I feel like have something to say can do a good job. So Stevie jumped out at me. Um, I had to come pretty close to um, Jimmy Vaughn, his father, the executive of the state, um, starting in 1995. He threw a tribute to Stevie down at uh, Austin City Limits with B.B. King, Buddy Guy, Eric Clopton, uh, Bonnie Ray, Robert Craig. And I was there for the tour room. I got to be um, at the rehearsals for two days. I was the only um, reporter allowed at the rehearsals. So wow. it was incredible. It was like a life-changing experience for me. Um, Jimmy really liked the way the story came out. He was trying photo of him and BBK right here on my office wall. <laughs> and, and Jimmy wrote on the things to tell it like it was. Um, it's just obviously a great compliment. I'm not really pleased about But um, that's what kind of got me going with with uh, Jimmy um, and with that whole world. I interviewed all of these guys, among them, all the people I just mentioned. And one of the coolest things I ever saw in that uh, in my whole career was during that. Um, they're all there except BBK. He was the last one there because he was only starting to play shows. Of course, he was like flying in, you know, one night or the other guys were there for a couple of days. And they're all rehearsing on stage. And I was sitting on bleachers looking at the stage, and they all stopped playing. You know, right, and start smiling. I turn and look, and it's because BB King had just walked in. So BB's walking across the room in his suit with, uh, like a, he had this ballet guy who always worked for him, was always with him, carrying Lucille's guitar. And they all just stop playing, and they stand there. And BB walks up on the stage, and he walks across the room, shaking hands and hugging everyone. And it's like Eric Clapton, Jimmy Vaughn. Buddy got Barney Crane, Robert Craig, and they're like they look like five year old kids meeting their football hero, you know? Yeah. Um, it was so cool to see that. And and they all go and they hug and they're talking a little bit and then the guy takes the car out and they bring it up and tune it up and plug it in. And then they begin again, you know, they just go up with the rehearsal with with me being and everything at the intensity level was, you know, kicked up a big match and stuff. So it was really, really cool. So that that got me started. Um, so so writing about Stevie was was something I wanted to do. I felt like you know, same with the Allman Brothers. There had been other books, but none of them had like the inside information. Like the previous Allman Brothers book didn't have cooperation of Greg and Dickie and and these guys, so they, their voices weren't really there. Right. And uh, books on Stevie hadn't had the cooperation of Jimmy or Chris Layton or Tommy Shannon or Reese Winans from Double Trouble. So, um, and I already had a print of that um, and felt confident I could get more, but I didn't have Stevie. I really wanted Stevie. So um, I collaborated, I called up my friend, uh, Andy Alador, he's a great guitar player, and um, we were been friends at Guitar World for years, and he interviewed Stevie five times. Um, and I had read his interviews, and they were great. So it wasn't just that they existed, but that they existed and they were great. Um, so yeah, so I basically called up Andy and asked him if he wanted to do the book with me. Um, he did. And so we collaborated together. So um, it was pretty cool. We're working on some really cool projects now that I hope to be able to announce in the next few months, both a really cool documentary and maybe a you know, biopic movie about it. Um, 
Right. But I'm not supposed to talk about it. So I, should, I probably already said more than I should have. But if it happens, if either of them, well, the, the documentary is moving forward, but, but we, the, the director doesn't want to announce yet. Um, and, the, and the other thing I hope to announce that, and, and they're really cool, um, and, I, and I feel great about it because Stevie Story is like you said at the start, he really is one of the all-time great um, guitar players. And so that, that, that just deserves to have as much attention as possible, I think. And, and his story is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. No, I definitely do agree with you on that. That's, uh, that's nuts. Um, don't, don't worry about the, if he, about the, you know, you, 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 there's not, there's, you didn't say too much. So I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. That makes you feel any better. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I wish I could tell you more, but, um, hopefully we'll be able to announce it really soon. I'll get word to and come on and talk about it again. Once it's really cool. So I, I, I want to go, I want to touch on one last thing. And it's actually the story that you mentioned earlier, uh, about BB King walking into the room and everyone just stopping. Yeah. Um, that is something I've always loved about music, and it's something I've always loved about musicians in general. Um, you know, everyone is someone else's idol, especially when you're a guitar player, a drummer, right. a bass player, it doesn't matter. So, you know, I'm standing on stage with some of the greats of all time, and then B.B. King walks, and everyone just stops and looks. And then when, you know what I mean? It's the same It's the same feeling I felt when I watched, there was a documentary called It Might Get Loud with Jack White, The Edge from U2, and... Why do I forget his name now? From Led Zeppelin. Jimmy Page. Stupid. Right. I can't believe I forgot. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um and when Jimmy Page goes into the opening riff of Whole Lot of Love, the Edge and Jack White just stop what they're doing and just watch. Because it, it's yeah. it's it's a monumental and it's also a very it, it's a legendary riff that's inspired so many different people. Everyone knows Whole Lot of Love. Everyone knows BB King with Lucille. Everybody knows that, you know. And I think that's something that I love most about music and I love about musicians is that not only are they great at their craft and the all-time greats, but they respect the past and they respect the history of, of music and how it got to where it is right now. And I think and like I said, and that's just something I just really want to I always I just I love harping on. That's probably one of the coolest stories I've heard. You know, we're just like, you know, the only person that can make Eric Clapton stop in his tracks is BB King. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's right. So, yeah, so that, no, it was it was in the moment. I, you know, sometimes there's some of the cool things I've seen and done that in the moment I maybe didn't realize how cool they were. <laughs> I had to think and look. I look back and go, oh my god, I can't believe I'm in the room for that. But that wasn't one of those. <laughs> that was something that as it was happening. Uh, God, this is amazing. <laughs> like, you know, it was just really clear yeah. in the moment and, and, and it remains so. And I love that documentary too. Like, uh, some of the guys involved in that are hopefully going to be involved in, in this other documentary with about Stevie. So, uh, fingers crossed that that all moves forward. It's, it's, uh, that's, that is a great film. Awesome. So, listen, um, you know, Alan, I just wanted to, you know, again, thank you for coming on the show and doing this interview with us. Um, I was going to ask if you had anything you wanted to announce, but, you know, you can't really say right now or unless you have, but if you do, you probably yeah, have to no. kill us. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. No, but, but um, I, I am, you know, I'm doing these daily chats on my Facebook page, uh, which is just Alan Paul author. Um you know, I, I've experimented experiment a little with Instagram and Twitter and stuff, but I just found that most people seem to tune in on, on my Facebook and uh, been doing live daily chats at one o'clock Eastern every day, Monday. 
down. And uh, people are digging it. <laughs> they can come on and ask me anything about any of these topics. Um, and I, I like it. It gives me some structure for the for my days. And it's making me uh, think about all these things in a little bit different way. It's, it's good. You know, it, it, I, I enjoy it. Uh, you know, interacting with, with the readers and people who are passionate fans of this music and love the Almond Brothers and love Stephen Ray Bowman and, you know, whatnot. So it's, it's been cool. So I would invite anyone to come on there, you guys, as well. Jump on any time, and um, you know it's 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 fun. It's an ongoing conversation. Absolutely. Now that that's that's something too. So you definitely want to check out Alan Paul at his Facebook page, and ask him anything. Just you know, just ask him what his favorite color is. Ask him who his favorite yep, band anything. is. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so the other thing too. So to, to wrap this up, um, we always ask our guests on the show. Um, two very important questions. One is going to be a little bit easier for you, I think, and the other one's going to be very, very hard, but we're going to try. Um, I need to know your favorite movie, and I need to know your favorite album or your favorite artist. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh-huh. My favorite album is pretty easy for me, so I'm, I'm going to say The Almond Brothers Eat a Peach. Um, and that's a great yeah. one. I could, yeah, I could pick a lot of albums. I could pick a lot of Almond Brothers albums, but that's the, the one that really got me started down this road when I was like 12. Um, my brother, you know, handed it to me and said, listen to this, uh, got me started. So I, I do love, you know, Spotify and everything now because I'm just constantly making playlists with all kinds of stuff on it. But um, favorite movie is tougher for me. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, there's been so many over the years that I've, I've loved. You know, when I was a kid, I loved all the um, Clint Eastwood um, spaghetti westerns. <laughs> you okay. know, good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Hang them high and all that the, stuff. The, uh, the Outlaw Josie Wales is one of my favorites. Outlaw Josie Wales, all that stuff. I loved it. I don't know. I haven't watched any of them in years, so I don't think they could qualify as favorite movie because, you know, favorite movie you have to keep watching over and over. Um Oh, I don't know. I love Almost Famous, you know, but I wouldn't have thought of that as my favorite if you guys hadn't brought it up and we didn't have that great conversation that made me reflect on how awesome it is. That I mean, it's, one, it's a great famous, man. That's a great movie, too. Oh, my God. Your, your name is all great. I'm going to have to... I'm gonna to have to think about it. I, I'm sorry. I, I can't. I can't pin myself down. So I, I can't let you pin me down only because I can't pin myself down hey. on what on what my favorite movie is. Hey, listen, it's fine, hey, and and uh, that just means you're gonna to have to come back and let us know when you finally narrow it down. And then when you do, um, hopefully, this whole thing will blow over. We'll get you in our studio, and uh, we'll talk about whatever it is you can't talk to us about right now. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I look cool. forward to when I can talk about it. Believe me. Awesome. And uh, last thing, Alan, um, Eat a Peach, 1972. Melissa is one of my all-time favorite songs, and that is such a fantastic, absolute fantastic record. Yeah. And um, Blue Sky is on it, which if, I, if you put a gun to my head and I had to choose one album brother song, it would be Blue Sky. But um, it, it, And One Way Out is on it, which obviously I like so much. I named my book after it. And I love the hair of them, so that's, uh, that's, that would be my choice. Amazing. Alan, listen, um, I really appreciate the you know you taking the time to sit down and talk to us today. Um, you know, obviously, like I said uh, at the top at the top of the show, um, stay safe, obviously, and uh, you know, just uh, take care. Don't do nothing I wouldn't do. That's all I gotta say. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. Stay safe. Take care, Alan. Have a good one, pal. Okay. Thank you. Bye. 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 Really cool stuff. Really cool Is stuff. He, he's gone. Yes, sir.
think I fucking nailed that. Yeah, dude. You did a really good job. Wow, dude. I, I, I wanted to talk more. 